Hello, and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. We're your weekly reading club for what's new and fresh in the comic book industry. Numero uno, that famous hash sign preceding a number one, one of the binary numerals in the uh, unit of measurement system. I'm Mike DeStacy, a co-host alongside these two gents. Andy Vargas. And I'm your friendly neighborhood cancel pig, Greg Lichtai. Oh, God. Oink, oink, folks. Coming out the gate. Spicy hot. I thought I would be cooled down by now. Okay. From the controversy of the weeks, but I'm not. I I do have some good news for you. Oh? On, On that front. But. Okay. Should we start from the top? We should start from the top. Um, so, folks, the com- every four months or so, the comic book <laughs> conversation has to get ugly. It has to get messy. And uh, right before 2023 decides to go to sleep, we have one last little uh, shakeup in the comic book industry. And it started with a video that got passed around either on TikTok or Twitter of a shop owner um, who was kind of upset because their shop wasn't doing well. They weren't selling enough comics, and this particular owner thought that it was because the writing of the comic books wasn't as good anymore. He thought that the writers were injecting themselves too much into the comic books and that he didn't want to see that anymore because uh, we just want to see Tony Stark. We don't want to see you as Tony Stark. And... I, oh, I didn't know Peter Griffin owned a comic It was uh, Lois. It was um it was enough it was enough of a match in the cinder box yeah. to make social media explode with this. Mm-hmm. Um people coming to his aid to say, Oh yeah, I agree with you, and to people like me who are just like, shut the fuck up, because every point you're making is terrible. And so we will go through those points and talk about how bad they are. Number one point I want to point out. He says that um he says that he says that he didn't want the writers to write themselves into the roles of these characters. He gave examples of Miles Morales, Tony Stark, basically every lead Marvel DC hero. Uh-huh. He wants them to be like Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark or or whoever. My whole problem with this point is like, what do you mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. First of all, these people have never existed. Tony Stark is not real. Yep. Miles Morales is not real. Other people have inserted their views and their beliefs into these characters to give them life. Right. Therefore, individual pieces of the writer's DNA and brains are already sewn into these characters yep. from the time they were created in 1960 or 1930 to present day. So the fact that you're saying, don't write yourself, write Tony Stark, is already um asinine problematic and like not making any sense yeah because what you're really saying is i don't like chip sadarsky's batman or i don't like dot dot dots whoever Uh it's not like it was when i started reading and it's bad and it actually is because your favorite batman you just liked that writer yeah. You're not exactly. liking that version of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Because Bruce Wayne isn't a real fucking person. <laughs> yeah. Those characters 
change with the generations that are reading them at that time. Yeah. Okay. You didn't progress with the character. That's the problem. Sure. You you felt your fe- you're feeling left behind. And that says something more about maybe who you are as a person or who or how you feel about things. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you can't grow naturally and set in your set in your own particular lifestyle or ways, of course you're going to see uh, more current storytelling as uh, uh, out of reach for you or, or unobtainable. Well, yeah, uh, well, comics classically carried the themes of the day, so much so that a comics code was put on those. Yes, to, to like try to silence a lot of that. Yes, stuff, right. So and, it's it's always been a thing that's happened, um, and I think as a comic book shop owner, it's partially your responsibility to be a steward. To the next generation to welcome them into the voices of their day that are telling the stories that yes. help them connect and yes. find their own identity. I, I think that on top of you having these feelings, being a shop owner in a shop that's not doing particularly well helps reinforce those feelings. Yes. But I read a really, really great take that I thought put a really good point on this and it's that comic book shops are just specialty bookstores Mm -hmm. they're museums for middle-aged people yes unless they're carrying the things that people want to see and it was this woman and she's been involved in comics whatever but she said her she was with her 10 year old kid and he just blazed by a comic book shop today because he doesn't want to go in and look at 30-year-old comics mm-hmm. like we would. Totally understandable. Mm-hmm. But he went to Barnes & Noble and bought the new Dogman book, right? which is number 12 on the Amazon book list. Not books for kids, mm-hmm. not comic books, yep. books. So, like, kids are buying comics. There are young audiences out there for mm-hmm. comics. You're not stalking them. Yes. Because you want... Batman 30 or what you know like you want those specialty comics Mm -hmm. that are high dollar and and that's ultimately what comic book stores end up being Uh is stores for middle-aged men and those are never going to make money money because you're a specialty bookstore well and, and the point also in that video was like he accused or he insinuated that the comic book community or the comic book publishers had let him down. Now let's just dissect that a little bit. That's impossible. <laughs> because the publisher, the comic book publisher is A, a business, yeah. and B, it isn't sentient. Right. Do, do you understand that? Like it's it's not doing this on purpose. It is creating books and it's your responsibility to either sell them or not sell them. Yeah. The comic book community and the comic book publisher didn't let you down. Maybe you're just a terrible business owner. Right. Or you're not, or you're just not good with money, or or growing with the new generation. I've seen there are many comic book shops in our area that have also included board games, card games, yeah, dice, D and D stuff. Like you have to evolve and grow, just as a business in general, to succeed. Yeah. Well, we have a there's a shop that we have in Kansas City that I won't name necessarily for a couple of reasons because we've talked about them before, but. Um, they've, uh, there's a person who works there that doesn't get paid much and just has it as a fun part-time job, Mm -hmm. but 
they're very in tune with uh, what people want. Yes. And the older shop owner who doesn't know this stuff listens to this person because they've been proven right several times to say, we need to order 20 copies of this comic yeah. that you would have otherwise maybe completely bypassed or bought like four copies of. Yeah. And then it turns out it sells a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of the way people read comics right now is that they're fans of themes and they're fans of creators and not just fans of Batman and Spider-Man. Like we all bought the Sentry a while back because Jeff Lemire was writing it. And right. if you're a comic shop owner and you weren't familiar with Jeff Lemire at the time, who wasn't, you know, maybe as big of a name then as he is now, uh, you might have skipped that book because you're just like, who cares about another Century comic book? Right. Instead, all kinds of comic book hipsters and young people are like interested in yes. this like Century reboot that's a very like modern take on the character yeah and 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 i will say this isn't uh, a a comic book uh shop problem you know blanket wide or or or, or across the board but a good percentage of shops have a unrational or irrational fear of younger people coming into the shop and basically (laughs) asking questions and wanting to learn new things because they see it as an inconvenience. Like, they, they, they don't want to try to explain things. Yeah. They just want the normal crowd to come in and buy their shit and get the fuck out. Yep. We have a shop in Kansas City that will, as soon as kids walk in the door, they are basically told they're not welcome. Yeah. It's like, don't touch anything. Don't open anything. Yes. If you touch it, you're going to buy it. And the- it's like, I don't know. I get the fact that, like, you don't want like toddlers tearing books in half but these are high school kids mm-hmm. that are interested in i don't know getting into like manga or yes. or just comics and ju- they're curious about comic are books are curious about comics and want to like pick up like um the the shop that i think we're both talking about is in the middle of Kansas City mm-hmm. it's a very diverse neighborhood yes there's a high school that's right around the corner from it. Mm-hmm. And when those kids walk into this shop yeah. and are basically told, like, nope, yep. not here. Yep. It, it, you're so fucked you, up. You're kicking out basically people, new the, readers tomor- and new money. Tomorrow's customers, yeah. Well, so, and back to your point, right? Like, if a toddler tears up a copy of Batman 141... Uh-huh. Who gives a yeah. shit? Like it'll be fifty yeah. cents in a week. It'll be fifty <laughs> cents in a week. And guess what? The parent that they're with is gonna buy that book. Yeah. They're, yeah. Or you know what? You you buy the goodwill and that you have a customer that's always gonna come back because right. you were that's nice to them. Such a good point. Because if like <laughs> if you have your high grails or your expensive books where a toddler can get them to rip them in half, mm-hmm. you for sure should not be owning yeah. a comic book shop. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, a comic book gets damaged. Mail it back, or just chalk it up to a yeah, loss. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's maybe it's part of owning a business. Yes, and that's where I think the big disconnect is. Is like, I I've always wanted to own a comic book shop. It just seems like a big dream for me and yeah. a lot of fun. But it seems like the 
old guard of the comic book shop owners are, one, just tired. Yeah. They've been doing it for a long time. The scenery has changed completely of comic books, comic book fans, how to buy comic books. The digital landscape, I will admit, is kind of encroaching on their area. Totally. I mean, it's not going to you know eviscerate physical media, but like... It is kind of daunting. I can see as a business owner how that would be daunting of just like, well, <laughs> if people want to read a new comic, they can do it online. So now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. That's why you need to evolve with the market. You need to recognize that you need to be more inviting to the new reader and just like offer new stuff. And I get it. You got to buy 25 Marvel books to get the ratio variant. That sucks. That really does suck. But yeah. like maybe just don't then. Yeah. Like, no one's telling mm-hmm. you to buy 25 issues of Iron Man 7. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to skip it to, like, to, to make your, your bottom line. Well, we've got listeners that own comic book shops. Like, sound off. You know, like, yeah. I would love to hear opinions from, you know, people that are actually out there in the trenches, so to speak. And I appreciate hearing your take on this because I immediately, like, when I started seeing the discourse surrounding this, which I didn't do much of a deep dive. I just assumed racism. That was my first comment. Was like, yeah, I mean, it's like there's there's an ism there's, here. There's a there's a it. A lot of it sounded like a coded way of saying like, get Miles Morales out of comics, get Riri Williams out of comics. Like, I don't want like when and, I when I hear don't put yourself in these roles. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm saying like. Let's state it plainly. They're saying get black people out of my comics for my and white characters. I, I, I but but I also mm. but yeah, it's to me it was more like a political thing. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a uh, like keep comic books, comic books, and it's just like yeah. no, 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 <laughs> comic books, comic no, books. no, no, yeah, no. We comics, don't do that. Make comics great again. Yes. Enter yeah. Mark Millar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who. I guess has been just not so subtly under the radar, been kind of a shitbag and kind of a, a, a rabble rouser. And it's it's finally come to a head because I think either Netflix or somebody sold the rights. And so now Dark Horse owns Malar World or Malar World is now over at Dark Horse. Yeah. That in itself is big news in the comic book industry. Yeah. And I thought that's where it would end. But it hasn't, and it's evolved into something kind of gross of Mark Millar really pivoting towards blaming wokeism uh-huh. and cancel culture for the state of comic book discourse and community. Well, and that all came about because he saw that video mm-hmm. of whatever the guy was ranting and raving about his comic book store. Yeah. And agreed with some of the points that he was making and interviewed him, right, mm-hmm. on his podcast. Yes. Or vice versa. Whatever. The guy had Mark it, on or Mark had the guy on. Mark invited him on as like YouTube podcast yeah. show or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, Called Old Man Screaming. <laughs> right. And so you get this guy who's like, you know, got these like kind of coded wokeism messages. Uh-huh. And then Mark is supporting him. And of course, you get all the Twitter people Comics gate coming well yeah. on both sides, right? They're the people that are the Twitter people are like, I can say the thing that you guys are saying in a coded way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, or but, uncoded, really, yeah. like but, fuck it. But also, you got the people that are like, 
oh, you're a racist now, Mark Millar. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, what the fuck? I was yeah. just like having a conversation, not to support whatever. Like, No, yeah. This this is how you drive people one direction, Yeah. right? Somebody gets out there, they voice their opinion or they support an opinion that they agree with. And then you're called a racist. <laughs> and then you're called a racist. <laughs> and yeah. it just goes off the rails. Yeah. So, yeah. so then Mark, of course, doubles down. Uh-huh. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's in leagues with BBS. <laughs> he he doubled down on a bad hand. Yeah, it, it, and it's like, it's like he he got he got put in a corner, right? Yeah. And it was just like, no, fuck this, I'm gonna fight back even more terribly. Yeah, and then he got backed up by EVS and his legion of of cron- cronies, and it's like. You've you've made terrible bedfellows. Do you realize that? Yeah. Because you'll get immediate digital support, uh-huh. meaning you'll get roves of fans defending you, attacking other people on the internet. But that does not reflect sales of anything you're going to do. Right. And also, you kind of don't want those people in your corner anyway. Because the ideologies they cling to and the rhetoric that they spit is so soaked in in hatred yeah. and bigotry that you're almost like just poisoning yourself at this point. Yeah. Now I'm saying all this to say that like, do I support Mark Millar? No, I don't hate him, but I, I think he's very in defense mode right now and he's making all the wrong calls. All of them. I, yeah. I don't even support Mark Millar in what he says politically or like private. Like, is this like, I don't agree with what he's saying, but like also you are reacting very, so stupidly right now with how you are handling this entire situation right. and and calling people cancel pigs and like to like say that they're like the woke agenda is like attacking me now and it's just like it's just like the woke agenda isn't a thing it's not a sentient creature that's following you around it's just like well his yeah you're 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 confusing whatever this concept of the woke agenda with people on twitter people on yes. twitter are coming after him yeah which they shouldn't be, either direction, right? Like, Comicscape people shouldn't be attacking him, and whoever, the Gail Simone fans shouldn't be attacking sure, him. Sure, yeah. Like, don't do that shit, because it's stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But him, as a public figure, should be smart enough to realize that, like, okay, I did something that makes people inflammatory. Mm-hmm. If I just fucking drop it for a week, something else is going to happen. Honestly, yeah. Like... Uh, how no one in any kind of public affairs uh, arena doesn't realize if you just shut up about something for two weeks, it's going to be forgotten. Yeah. But, I mean, it still doesn't excuse what he's doing because it's like it, it's now formed into a thing of just like he's now living and breathing the concept of cancel pigs and the woke agenda has like I, – I don't even know if he's accusing the, of Malar World going to – dark horse or if he's like saying that like his career's like it's like it's so confusing but he's still using the same terminology that is used by uh, uh you know these these comics gate uh members and it's just like yeah. it, the whole thing is just bizarre and very weird and just a terrible taste in my mouth now from from the whole experience but I'm a proud cancel pig so I don't give a shit <laughs> oink oink you know I don't know. Am I part of this problem? Because my, you know, I'm hearing a lot of this for the, I've been on vacation. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> He's been in L.A., I'm folks. Hearing a lot of it where nothing from, bad happens. From the first, exactly right. What a what a beautiful dreamland, Holly Weird. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of it through you. Before you even got like a couple sentence out, I was like, they want white comic book characters. Uh, yeah. And so yes, I'm kind of me and my perspective of this immediately were like oh this guy is a a racist which is the thing he's complaining about right Mm -hmm. um at the same time i kind of don't give a fuck if you're giving clues as to like i can't say anything anymore even if Mm -hmm. it's filled with like a tinge of like coded messaging or Right, hate speech or is exclusionary of new people and new voices being able to do their thing that they have every right and entitlement to do just as you can write whatever fucking comic book you want to write. Mm-hmm. Gail Simone and Vita Ayala and all these people can write their own comic books exactly. that they want to write. If you're trying to stomp out their voices and complain about what they're doing, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm okay with saying <laughs> I don't support the angle you're taking here, buddy. Yeah. Like, and I'm kind of done with you because those social and personality things are bigger to me than the next comic book you're going to write. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So am I, does that make me a cancel pig? I guess I'm a cancel pig. I guess then. so. I don't know. Well, but so the the, the difference <laughs> is is like I, I'm not on Twitter like calling for people's fucking heads. I mean, there's the difference. We're having obviously we're we're on a podcast and what we do is talk about what's happening in the industry. So we're having yeah. a so we're having discourse on this because it's because because it, it's what's going on right now. Absolutely. But I didn't get on here to be like let's have a fuck this guy fest Mm -hmm. without talking about like the issue more at large absolutely i don't know it's 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 a tough weird world we're living in he's playing the martyr card and he's not being persecuted yeah does that make sense right yeah it's just like he's like oh you know i can't write what i want to write you can you can absolutely write what you want to write be prepared for the consequences that's all i'm saying yeah you know like no one's saying mark millar you can't write that it's just like mark millar if you do write that I'm going to have an opinion about it and I'll tell you about it. And like, that's why, that's why Ethan Van Triver's not in the mainstream punk comic book yeah. industry. Yeah. Right. He ran his mouth and the court of opinion was just fuck that guy. And yeah. now he doesn't work for anybody. Well, and I think there's this perception too, that like everyone thinks this, I'm just the one who was brave enough to say it. And <laughs> brave and stupid run a thin <laughs> line. And I, th- I think, there's a lot of people, well, given I think that there's a lot of people, too, that are quietly being shitheads or have bad takes and bad mm-hmm. opinions on things. Mm-hmm. I like to believe the comic book community at large is saying, nah, I might be done with EVS because of his takes don't align with my moral principles and yeah. and how I see society and as content creator want to um affect the yeah. the world with the stories I'm telling. I I wanna believe that he's been kind of pushed to the side I think to, for... to exist on on mostly Kickstarter. Yeah. Because so many other people at the publishers are aware. Are aware 
that's a great word for for this. <laughs> I think our generation, I think the generation below us and further on down, yeah. have no idea who he is. That's how yeah. much he has been erased from everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, that's the last I want to say about it because I think we got to the point of just like now we're in a spin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it was all a bunch of fire and brimstone for nothing. Mm-hmm. A, a simple point of just like, Mark, you can do what you want, but I mean, you can't escape the fact that people will have opinions about it and people will have discussions about it. And like that's you can't just you can't take the stance of just like I want to write what I want to write and no one can say shit about it. That's not how the world works. Yeah, people have well, opinions about everything. Yeah. Write fanfic in your journal. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, right? We can't get on this podcast and expect people to not react to the things that we say. Right? I, I get like, the emails. I get. Yeah, I get yeah. the Twitter notifications. That's what I mean. Like, people do. <laughs> that's that's part of putting your art into the world mm-hmm. is having people react to it. And let's be clear: we don't think we're artists for this. <laughs> I do. I mean, <laughs> I'm your f- friendly neighborhood cancel pig. I th- I think the whole point of this conversation is like, just approach approach everything that you do creatively with the purpose of uplifting and improving people's lives, and yeah. you probably won't have a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's dead on, right? <laughs> just live. I, I am now living my life in the comic book community. By the, by the credo of fuck around and find out. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Just like go ahead and do what you want to do. We'll see where the chips <laughs> fall and go from there. I guess that goes for every creator. Yeah, I mean every every anybody who creates anything. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it is. Uh, any other news? Oh, I do have news. Um, Tim Tim Seeley. <laughs> Oh, this was the coolest thing to fall out from all of this. Oh, well, I'm just going to talk about his YouTube channel. Yeah. He's got a YouTube channel with like a hundred followers right now, but he's doing a whole series about comics, comics 101. Because mm-hmm. he used to teach comic books at a collegiate level. At, oh, I didn't at like that. Chicago University or Northwestern or something. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he's doing a whole series. So if you're not subscribed to Tim Seeley's YouTube channel, yeah. go do it right now. It's like a free masterclass. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. And that was like a perfect response from him. Yeah, just, reverse gatekeeping. Seriously, yeah, it was I'm just gonna... like because every one of those posts was just like uh, people were like the woke people, you know, want to say all these words, but they don't offer solutions. And Tim Seeley was like, "All right, fuck you. Here's your solution. Like, let me explain how all of this works." Yeah. And he does it so eloquently. It's just like, like. And this is the hero we needed and, in our darkest nights. And you talk about like an imperfect messenger of a perfect message, right? Mm-hmm. Like Tim Seeley draws like the cakiest, <laughs> like yeah. horniest comic books. Yeah. But his message is so pure and yeah. it's exactly perfect. Like it's genius. I, I love that dude. Yeah. Uh, go read Hack Slash. <laughs> go read everything from Tim Seeley. Yeah, for real. Local man. Uh Nightwing. What else can we do? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? News-wise? News-wise, um, personally, news-wise, we're doing C2E2 this year. Yeah. We all got press passes for that, so you'll be seeing us there. We'll be doing coverage of TowerCon, the local small community con that comes 
uh, quarterly in Kansas City, which will be December 30th. I just went to LA Comic Con and we talked about that over on our Patreon. Nice. Which if you want to see that, it's patreon.com slash first issue club. Plug. Plug, plug. Oink, oink. We're on all the social medias, <laughs> which I haven't been on the, I haven't been on the social media in about two weeks because of sick kids and I was just fucking tired of it. <laughs> To be honest, it's... Yeah, it was exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. It's because ex- anyone can create an account in like two seconds and just be annoying. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? I think that's it, pretty much. And All so right. now we can get to the meat and potatoes of what the show really is. Let's talk about comic books. Booyah. Who wants to go first? I'm playing catch up. Why don't I, why don't I talk about my things? Okay. Yep. These are books that came out um, last month that I'm just getting to. That came out last week, Lotus Land. Lotus Land was last week. Because I read it, yeah. and it's awesome. Oh, did you? Yeah. You didn't talk about it last week, did you? Uh, we touched on it a little bit. We yeah. mostly talked about Holy Roller. Okay. But I would love to talk to you about that. Okay, well, I think more than anything, it's like a really interesting mood piece mm-hmm. that sets up this futuristic tech world where there's this innovative technology mm-hmm. that is crucial to either the survival of mankind or mankind's way of life. Yes. We know that there is some... A little bit of mysticism yeah, as well. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, like he's like a precog or something. Like he, he, the, the issue with it is that it gives you so little. Which I liked. Did you like that? Okay. It was like an appetizer for a delicious meal I know I know I'm going to be getting. Yeah, this was one thing that I feel like it's very brave to oh, That's a good word for it. to write this sort of a first issue and it may be the perfect way to open a graphic novel where people already have the rest of it in their hands. Mm, right? Mm-hmm. But as a first issue itself, you read it and you're kind of like, "What?" Bold choice. It it never kind of gave you, like, what is the technology? And what is his relationship with his, I'm assuming, ex-wife? Or the mother of his child? Yep. Um, Is his child some sort of, like... I think he has the same powers as the father. Drone or something? He has, like, tech in him, it looks like, too? Yeah. Um, Very confusing. And normally, like, this is the, the... the crux of the medium, right, is that the first issue leads you into something and normally on the last page gives you like, oh, here's the crux of the thing that surprises you. Here's mm-hmm. the twist or what's actually happening. And then the rest of the series, we're going to go down this slide together. Yes. This book didn't get to the slide. It, it alluded to the reveal, the whole book. Did you like? They're just like, from the moment I read this book, I was just like, something is up with that kid. Yeah, and I was just like, so you're looking, you're looking at the ending through like transparent paper. You're yeah. just like, I can see where they're going, like it's fun where they're headed, but like I know where we're going. So that alludes to just like something even bigger is going because if they're if they're showing you the big reveal, mm-hmm. basically throughout the entire book, I'm just like. Okay, so where are we like what else is like here? Like, like there must be something huge coming. Yeah. If we can see the big hook coming from a mile away. Well, they reference this like tree technology thing yeah. and then someone was a- attacking it who seemed to be like 
mind controlled or talking to some other entity that wasn't present. Yeah. Through what, like he was con- like through yeah. what, what appeared to be a delusion, but might actually be like a connection to some tech world. We can assume is he was he like some sort of tech terrorist? I see, and I assumed he was just like possessed. Like that's where I'm conf- like that's where I'm intrigued the most. Yeah, I don't. I have no. <laughs> there's so many. There are maybe a little too many questions left unanswered that I think if I was reading this in a trade. You'd be would, like, God damn. I would be like, let's go. I'm yeah. going to keep the, I have to keep turning the page. Yes. As you read this as a standalone first issue, and it might fall victim to just like a lot of people not picking up the second issue mm-hmm. because they're just like, Lotus Land. I picked that up. What was it? Yeah. Okay. Ah, I'm not going to buy the second one. Fair. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's got potential to be a really cool... That's my PSA for this book. It's got potential to be a really good book. Yeah. Maybe don't forget it and give the second issue a chance and see what happens. Yeah. The art in it is a vibe. It should have been like a double-sized, maybe. That is 100% true. But that's my that's my fault for every first issue. I feel like... I feel like... I feel like but isn't that the mark of a good first issue? When you're like, God damn, this should have been twice as long. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. But like the art in this is crazy good, and it it did have that like kind of Blade Runner like Last Starfighter, just like no like normal world, but we're in such a highly advanced tech future. Like it's this yeah. is set like 600 years in the future, mm-hmm. and I was joking around with Andy. They did the, they did the thing right. I hate of just like oh we have flying cars. I'm like well, we're never gonna have flying cars. Like can we yeah. just stop having flying cars, please? <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, because I want one and I'm never gonna have one. <laughs> okay, the other book I read. I want to talk about format before I talk about content. I'm jealous of your ash can. So this is an Animal Pound ash can, which is Tom King, uh, Peter Gross, and Tamara Bonvillain. And uh, is this like the sequel to Stray Dogs? <laughs> can you ma- imagine Tom King writing the sequel to Stray Dogs? I would buy that book I would for buy sure. the fuck out of that book. Um, okay, so this is the second boom ash can I've bought this year. The ash cans are like half of the comic book, just the inks. Oh, okay. Um, obviously the the dialogue and word bubbles and and everything as well, but you're not getting the the colored version of it in here. Okay. And it is a really low cost toe dip into what this is. Now you could look at that as like, oh, that's a nice accessible way to see if people are interested in this book. But it's also a way of being like, I'm a Tom King fan, mm-hmm. and I buy his stuff. Now I have to buy the first issue twice. Like when I, I bu- even buy the ash can. I'm such when a big I bought fan. these on pre-order. I don't know that I even necessarily realized I was buying an ash can and not a full first issue. Mm-hmm. So I've got the ash can for this and rare flavors. I think was the other one. Ooh, nice. nice. Um, so, the book was so good. I don't know. I buy so many comics. Not a big thing to me. Do you guys have a take on this? Is this kind of like lame because you have to buy like two first issues, first potential first appearances? If you're I really like excited Ash about cans. the book, you like them. I think they're cool. I think for more bang for your buck, if you want to buy buy it twice, make the Ash Can cover a little different. Yeah, just give it a little bit of a twist because that would hype me up to get like a the, weirder. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like I guess some people covet the Ash Can a little more. 
Because it is technically the... like first appearance sort of yeah. stuff. Now, does that mean Dog Pound, Ash Can number one's going to skyrocket in price? No. But like for like a superhero book, maybe if it was like a first appearance or something. But yeah. I do think they're fun, but I want, if you're going to make me buy it twice, make the Ash Can like the, the, the less successful one to get, like the, the harder one to find, a little cooler to, to hunt down. Yeah. Like make those bars Spock loss. Sure. Make it like just something easy to pop. But at the same time, the point of it is that it's cheap. That makes it more expensive. For for a local man, since we talked about local man, yeah. they did the image thing where they did the like all red paper printed cover. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That they did in the 90s. No, mm-hmm. I don't remember these. Yeah. It's just like the mono like red or blue. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like super cheap. With, like... with like the printed. It's just like the same <laughs> internal paper. Whatever they did that for local. Oh, man. that's cool. That's dope. Yeah. I love those local man covers. Local man. I slaps. love how they're just like homages to yeah, other all the old image stuff. Yes, yes, and they did like a, an old Valiant homage to like the their 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 annual was local man gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so, do you guys know anything about Animal Pound or have you read the Ashcan? No, no. Clearly, because I made a straight dog joke. Yeah. <laughs> so. It is basically a retelling of Animal Farm in modern day. Oh, okay. And it takes place in a pound because in I th- I think the what I'm gathering from it is that it's saying Animal Farm was a poignant thing that's been taught in schools mm-hmm. for like years and years, like 80 years now or however long it's been. Yeah. Um but it's about political issues and set squarely in a time that's now 80 years in the past, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got different political issues at hand today mm-hmm. and does... That is, we need animals to explain. Is, is is a pound a better, I don't know... Analogy? Analogy for fascism and some things that are like top of mind for a lot of people. Well, we right now, now have a more robust criminal system you know what i mean like we have there's a lot of themes yeah we have like privatized jails um so i think you know yeah we do need an updated animal farm if you do love animals Uh oh stay away the first few pages are like big time tear jerkers i mean they'll put you they put you through the emotional ring and that's the point yeah i mean we have empathy for animals and you use it as uh, an, ana- an analogy <laughs> for for something that's like happening, but it's just like we don't see people the same way we see these these animals, and all of a sudden it's like, but he can't, he didn't get to make that decision. This poor dog who just wanted to be loved, and it's just like, aren't people just yeah. people who didn't get to make that decision? The, the dog and, is a guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, so, you know you you know that law you voted down to give kids free breakfast? Yeah. So the kind of the same thing. Yeah, the first the first like five, six pages of this are like a uh dialogue of a dog like a monologue that a dog is giving to a cat to like say what he wants to leave behind before he gets put down. Oh, oh my god. god. I love that so much. And it but is I hate like it. it is like, yeah. I love that. I'm a huge dog lover, so it was 
it it got me. Is that it why this re- book is tear stained? It really got me. Yeah, it's in bad shape. <laughs> I tear okay. can. Uh, <laughs> I can't read this book then because <laughs> I wept reading Marley and Me. Like I I can't handle that. I think um, it's kind of sound like he did a little bit of a letter in the back, and I think he like earnestly it's it's like tough to say like i'm gonna do the new or like the new yeah how animal, how cocky animal farm i'm gonna do the new animal farm <laughs> books it, it does sound really cocky but if you read it like earnestly um i don't know it's just like maybe we need something for a new generation that's like i mean we just talked about at the head of the episode how yeah the older generation needs to adapt to the newer generation yeah right and put it in a format that's like accessible e- easier for kids to read and and or i guess teens maybe for this one but mm-hmm. um, and, and if there's one person that can do this story it's probably tom king right yeah i mean yeah I mean, big into politics, that guy. Yeah. He brings all that stuff into his superhero stuff very eloquently. and Even though he's a former pig. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, he was like a cool pig. Like, he was hunting down. Yeah, just because he was James Bond doesn't mean he's not a pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does ACAB include James Bond? <laughs> yeah, of that's course. A, that's a good question. Of course. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine James Bond's on a mission and some fucking dirty crust kid just like, uh, a cab. He's just like, what the fuck? I just took that nuclear missile. You're going to yell a cab at me? Pig. Yeah, yeah. You fucking piece of shit, pig. James Bond and your fucking Aston Martin. Hope you get an STD. (laughs) Your Aston Martin. Yeah. Yeah, He's driving a nice car. Holy shit. Hysterical. Does the government really need to provide a guy with a $1 million car? It shoots bullets out of the headlights. Of course they do. <laughs> oh, do you want one too, comrade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I read a bunch because uh, I was also catching up from last week. But the first thing I got to talk about, um, I told the boys about this. My LCS... This is the second time they have given me a free book from Vault. They are, I guess, just releasing some of these books for free. Um, Smart. Yeah, totally. Smart. Totally smart. Um, I would equate it to, it's as good a business decision as Images $10 trades. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, sure. Free comic book day does not need to be once a year, folks. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, this book slaps pretty hard. So this is, uh, Zach Kaplan, right? Yeah. Um, his new book, uh, it's called Beyond Real. Um, it is the matrix, but a love story. Um, so there's a woman and her. (laughs) So like computer love? Computer love. Computer I want to love you. Uh, Sorry. We're. (laughs) We're to uh, Roger Troutman. We're big, uh, yeah, Roger and Zap fans. <laughs> I love that Roger's just like, I'm just going to put my first name in this. The band can't be just called Zap. It's Roger and Zap. Was he famous before Zap in his own right? Um, he I'm, had to have been because it's just like, hey, Roger's also here. Just the ego of it, I think. Is that it? Yeah, have maybe. no idea who you're talking about. You don't know who Zap is? Oh, no. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it okay. after the show. Uh, 
Okay, so Beyond Real. Um, it opens with a woman and her boyfriend, fiance, whatever, uh, having conversation about how he, he's a doctor, like a physicist, whatever, um, is talking about his theory that we're all living in a computer simulation, right? Mm-hmm. Boring. <laughs> Super boring. Not interesting at all. Uh, and they are driving down the road and get hit. And he is put into a coma. She ends up with like some spinal stuff. Mm. Um, and then the rest of the book is like basically her recovery. But over the course of her recovery, she finds out that she is developing powers of some variety. She got malware. So towards the end. Oh, of no. The, towards the end of the book, she is approached by this entity that tells her that during the crash, she glitched. She is, in fact, in a computer simulation. Her code got corrupted because of the crash. So she decides to... So the simulation is broken. Well, she is broken inside the simulation, which is working. The entity wants to repair her. This This is Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) Well, yeah, because she has these powers, like these Mm -hmm. powers to affect the simulation, like Neo in the Matrix. So her quest now is to get administrator privileges... So that she can fix her boyfriend who is still in this coma. She needs the access code. Yeah. Go super admin. Yeah, she needs she needs admin. What is what is the C prompt on this? Uh... (laughs) Um but it's I think it's it's really, really interesting. The art's pretty crazy. Um again, I got it for free. I don't know if you'll be able to get it for free at your LCS. Uh you should be able to. But either way, it 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 rules. It it was so good. Um I can see this being a book that is about loss. Ultimately, I can see it being about, Mm. you know, um, uh, how people cope with living their lives differently after an accident like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of different ways they could go, but um, super good. It's called beyond real. It's out on vault. Um, I like Kaplan a lot. He wrote, you may, you may know him from, Port of Earth, yep. which was maybe that was on Image and maybe his most popular book because it got optioned and had a little buzz for a minute. Image Top Cow, and they I, wrote uh, Forever Forward. Yes, I don't know if it's if Port of Earth. I think it maybe is still. I think it's made. still in production because it, it, it was picked up. So it's actually around happening. COVID. Okay, uh, I don't know that, but okay. I, I, it hasn't been announced that it's not happening. Okay, so it, that book ruled. Yeah, uh, totally worth it. Um. I read The Century out on Marvel. I'm a big Century fan. Love the character. Um, I was going to announce who's going to play the Century in the MCU stuff. What? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, the guy from... It's, uh, Walking uh, Dead, right? The what guy from Walking Dead. Uh, what's his name? Dale. No. no. John. No, it's Neil. No, what's the, the kid that helps him out in the beginning? Oh, okay. I don't know the name, but... Shows how smart I am. He's going to be the century. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Um, So I was surprised when this was announced because the century was famously killed by Null in Ripped yeah. in Half. King, right. King in Black. Yep. Um, <laughs> that was so wild to be like, whoa, century's back. And then never yeah, mind. he's gone. <laughs> Just shredded. Um, so what is going on in this book is uh, Jessica Jones and Misty Knight are investigating these events. Uh-huh around the country that have century energy 
signatures associated with them. Mm -hmm. And what we come to find out is different people across the country in these accidents are manifesting the century's powers. Oh, okay. So his power got like dispersed when he died. Right. Um, And we don't know why. So there's this woman and she has uh, cerebral palsy. She gets powers. This guy who is like a a mutant, but not like a Xavier school mutant, like a beak Mm -hmm. where he's just like, looks a little different and like has big legs. Yeah. That's his mutation. He gets to me big legs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just like barrel legs. (laughs) But then at the, at the end of the book, there's this sentry guy who like shows up and um, is trying to kill all the other sentry folks to get their powers. Uh, okay. So it's like kind of like a Highlander situation. Exactly. So you've got this guy who's looking for the sentry people. You've got the cerebral palsy girl who's going around trying to stop him mm-hmm. and Jessica Jones, Misty Knight trying to stop them from destroying the world around them. Cause that's always what happens with the century. Okay. Um, what I thought was really cool about this book is historically century books and century stories have all been about like mental illness, mm-hmm. you know, overcoming that, um, this seems to deal more with, uh, physical differences. You know, it's one of the main characters in the book has uh, CP, right? Mm-hmm. Which you don't get to see a lot. Um, right. So, at, or, or at all. Or at all, right. <laughs> so I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things to do with that where, you know, how do I live my life differently now that I'm, you know, whatever, the century, that kind of thing. And you parallel it with yeah. your physical differences, so... Great to see books with representation in them. Yeah, and that is one of the biggest voids of comic books is the representation of people with physical uh, limitations. Well, and yeah. uh, this is—it's a really tough thing that happens a lot in comic books too, where like a character has a, a disability and then it's cured, and then it's yep miraculously, and then it's like, okay, well, we had Barbara Gordon. And yeah. we loved that, and now and it's she like, can still do her job. Yeah, and she's yeah. still a kick ass at it. And then it's like we're gonna just fix her. Like we're just quote gonna, unquote fix quote her. unquote fix her. Yeah, got she's some angry. I hit the mic. It's tough. I get you're doing stuff with sci fi and yeah. The, but the, but the comp- maybe you've got pressure with on on people from DC who's just like the books sell better when. They're dressed in bat costumes and out like fighting people, but it is kind of a bummer sometimes when you see. Yeah, and it's bullshit. It's, and it's a weak some, excuse. Yeah. Yep. But Century, I don't know, might deal with that, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I might be projecting, but it was a cool book nonetheless. Um, I also read Thunderbolts by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Um, this feels like the Captain America book they wanted to write when they, oh. when they got. Captain America. Not that that was bad. I fucking loved that. Both of those series. But there was Um, just like big event stuff going on in it. Well, so this is like no holds barred. Lots of blacked out cussing. Mm -hmm. Lots of like, we're going to bust open the doors and kick the shit out of these Nazis. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Because the first issue revolves around uh, Bucky and... Val, the Contessa, you know, Valentine, mm-hmm. whatever, former Madam Hydra, mm-hmm. they team up to form a new Thunderbolts team to kill the Red Skull. Oh. And the entire issue is them just storming Red Skull's castle, punching Nazis. Yeah. 
Um, that first appearance of Madame Hydra is a book that I've always wanted. It's a cool Storenko cover. Mm-hmm. But now it's like... On a, on a, it's just yeah. very expensive for what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is, this is another limited, and it seems like they're just going to be... Like whipping the shit out of different bad guys, and they they tease Kingpin for the next issue, yeah. where they have to like, well, yeah, and American Kaiju is something, yeah. someone they're going after, yeah. and um, I forget who else, but yeah, Kingpin's on there. Yeah. What do you mean it was the Captain America that they wanted to write? Because it's it's very it's very like rough, like edgy, like action movie. Like they're like, oh, that's a fucking Nazi. We're gonna fucking punch him in the face. Oh, okay, you know, right. like I don't know if there's like something I missed about. A no, Captain no, America no. book or whatever. Just like, you know, Captain America has to be like, you're a Nazi and that's bad. And yeah. Watch your language. Come here this for your spanking. Like, yeah, this is like, yeah. I'm going to shoot you in the head. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene at the end where like literally Destroyer is like, fuck Nazis, right? And Bucky's like, yep. And they light a Nazi flag on fire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> See, now I can get, I can get behind yeah, that. Exactly. It's, it's very no holds barred. Sometimes the lack of subtlety is fun. Yeah. And this is, it was a super fun book. Uh, I love Thunderbolt's books, so I'm s- stoked to see them writing it. Um, another fun book I read was Batman and Santa Claus, Silent Night. I've heard some about this. Batman teams up with Santa to hunt down Krampus. And that's all you need to know. Yes. (laughs) And I was really hoping it would be here. It's on the way. So maybe we can do it for our best of episode. But I got the scratch and sniff cover. Yes. So we have to figure out what it smells like. It It doesn't give any indication. It doesn't? Of what it smells like. Does it smell like Krampus? It's the the cover is Santa's, a sweaty ass Santa. Santa's beat up sweaty face. Oh, Something man. that smells like feet, or like gingerbread and sweat, yeah. or something. I was thinking, yeah, candy cane, mint stuff, and gunpowder. <laughs> uh, to stay on that train, Vargas, I oh, read yeah. uh, DC's "Twas the Might" oh, before yes. Christmas, uh-huh. which is essentially DC's. Holiday annual where they just get uh, like seven or eight different creative teams and to they do did, like the Batmite stuff. Those, well, Batmite, Batmite's in the last story, and okay. it's like uh, it. it's Damien and Batmite just kind of mm-hmm. going at it. Um, but the rest of them were just like Yuletide stories set in the DC universe, yeah. and um, it was actually a lot of creators I hadn't heard of before, like a yeah. lot of new names. Cool. And I'm I'm thinking it was a way for them to kind of showcase the newer talent that they have on their roster. Yeah. And there was one where like uh uh Amethyst and Harley Quinn switch places. Amethyst is still around. And <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah. I was like, oh what a what a cool character to throw in. And there's it's like so they switch places. Uh and it's super funny and really cool. And the first uh story in the in the book is like uh, it's uh, set in Teen Titans Tower, okay. and Raven is like uh, left home alone, and they basically do like a Home Alone story where she's like <laughs> booby trapping the building because like yeah. she uh, she's like it, it, the story's like she's always left alone on on the holidays because her dad's a demon and her mom is I don't know what her mom's deal is. But so, like, she, like, regresses to a child, like, uh-huh. in, in, like, uh, her mind. And so she's, like, running around as a kid raven, setting booby traps from people who are breaking into to Teen Titan oh, Tower. Home Alone. That's yeah, really and it, it's, it's really, really cool. 
And the rest are just like your typical Christmas stories. So yeah. if you're looking for a fun annual to read of just like a bunch of wacky stories, that's the one to get. Do either of you know what the origin or background story is of Batmite? No. He's he's like Mr. Mixelplex, right? Isn't he like an alternate Some sort dimension? of like little mischief yeah. character. Yeah. I know they introduced, Tom Taylor introduced Night Might, which yep. is yeah. Nightwing's bad might. <laughs> I've just always been aware of it, but I've never fully understood. I need I've to, never asked the question because I, I don't really want to know it. I need to go to the DC fandom thing and read that whole page and just see what. I'll oh, just see what psychotic is. ramblings people have put up about <laughs> bad might. Uh, actually, he's from. It's like, oh, God. The, the last thing about the DC stuff is they're doing a whole series of santa claus covers have you guys seen them uh no but they're they're homages to like classic dc covers featuring santa oh that's sick so the one for batman santa is um like the dark knight returns but it's santa claus instead of batman i saw that that's great and they've got a uh, the green lantern one is the um uh What's the cover where he's got all the rings? Yes. And he's like got a face, but it's Santa and he's got like jingle bells on his hands. Yeah. Like, that's funny. They're hysterical. So, that's great. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, what else did you read? I've you're, got two more. You got your hands on it right okay. there. Okay. You read Masterpiece? Uh huh. What'd you think? Uh, oof. So, this, this is BMB and Brian Alex Malayev. Yep. Two heavy hitters. Super heavy hitters. They did uh, Scarlet. They did Jinx. Mm-hmm. They did. Whatever, a lot of crime stuff. Yeah. Is this a Jinx World no. book? It's not? No, it's Dark Horse. It doesn't, well, say, it, it doesn't say Jinx World on it. Jinx True. World I th- is an imprint. Of DC. I, I think it moved over to Dark Horse. But, I don't, but I don't see Jinx World I don't World see Jinx World on, on there. In any case, what did I feel about it? Uh, it was fine. I was, yeah. I, I was expected... I was expecting to be blown away, and it... I really left after reading it, I was left lukewarm. Yeah, I I was expecting more at the end. So yeah. the elevator pitch The ending is, was kind of just like that really? That's how we're gonna end this this first issue? Yeah. It's it, a very striking cover. Yeah. It's Brian Michael Bendis. It's called Masterpiece. Yes. It's got the makings of something that you'd be like, holy shit. Right. And I was not <laughs> left like that after reading it. Maybe, yeah. Well, so the elevator pitch is Masterpiece is actually this the, girl. the girl's name. Oh. And she is the daughter of, like, the two best thieves that have ever thieved in the world. Right. And okay. she... Concept? Yeah, cool. right. Like, yeah. totally right. Incredible. She gets kidnapped from school by Elon Musk, insert, like, the richest man in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Because her parents stole, like... A hundred billion dollars from him back in the day. Okay. So he kidnaps her and says, you're going to do a job for me. To like, to, to basically like pay off your debt. Yeah, to get your daughter off. back. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. No, no, she, no, no. She's going to do the, the. Oh, she's doing the job to pay her parents' debt. Yeah, exactly. Right. Also, okay. she's been hidden away from the world yeah, for 15 she, years. She never met her parents. Her oh. parents are quote unquote dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, she's been living with like a surrogate family who now she's her, realizing her dad's like partner. Yeah, right. in crime. Her dad's like man in the chair. Yeah, yeah. has yeah. been raising the daughter. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the still, book, still, all great concept. Yeah. yeah. 
at the end of the book, you see there's like an, another mystery man that shows up that mm-hmm. is not explained. Nope. And he's like, come with me if you want to live kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then she doesn't get in the van and he just like fucks off. Yeah, he's just yeah. like, all right, van, bye. And you're like. Weird way to end a comic. And yeah. it's just like, it seemed, it seemed like they, they, they threw together mismatched pages. While I was reading this, it was just like, what are we reading here? Well, it it was definitely a book that could have used, like... A trade. A, well, a, <laughs> a double size. Yeah. Like, at least to get me to the point where it's like, oh, that's what we're doing. Because we didn't even we didn't even get to the point, like, let alone the, like, planning the heist scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to the point where it's like, the, the character also doesn't know what the fuck is going on. It seems like it should be like, an Ocean's Eleven meets the Goonies. Well, and is... Yeah. And you're like, this is not that. So has, but is, has Masterpiece been raised as someone who is... We don't capable. No, we don't know. She's yeah. raised as like a normal person. Yeah, they call her masterpiece, and you're just like, why? Like, let's let's get to this point. This the book opened. Maybe there's something really special about her that we're unaware. I think of. she's also like very yeah, well. She, she's she's brilliant. She's yeah. very smart. She's like creative, and she made her own app, and like she's she got famous for making a web comic yeah. that like people really attached themselves okay. to. The problem is the the book opened super strong. Yeah. There was a lot of humor there and charm. And as soon as she gets kidnapped from the school, I felt like that all went out the window. Yeah. I I mean it didn't it didn't lose me completely. It sounded like it lost you completely. It 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 I couldn't attach to any of these characters in a meaningful way that I was just like I give a shit about masterpiece or I give a shit about Elon Musk insert or like I gave a shit about the ending. Yeah. Cuz it, it was it was all set up for issue two. Yeah. Or issue four. Right. And like the hook wasn't there to bring me along with it. If that makes sense. It it almost reads like it was written for like TKO. You know how they just release all their like yeah, the whole story all at once. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have to worry so much about issue yeah. formatting. Yeah. It was just I was bummed, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's I think it still has promise, but I will certainly trade weight it. Yeah. Because I, I, I really did want, like, a Criminal Minds, Ocean's Eleven. Like, I yeah. wanted that thriller, like, kind of, like, uh, let's get the crew together. I wanted maps. I wanted blueprints. I wanted, like, this kind of cool schematic thing. But I, I didn't get that. It's yeah. a t- I think it's a tough trap, too, when you're a creator like Brian Michael Bendis, who doesn't release new first issues yeah, all the time, and so when he does, it's kind of a big deal, and yeah. our expectations are kind of like, is this the next Powers? You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, you can't release Powers all the time. <laughs> well, and like I Very think true. <laughs> I think uh, it's it's silly to think that like Brian Michael Bendis can't go into any publisher on name alone, yeah. and be like, I want to get a story out through you guys, yeah. and have them be like, well, I don't know, they're like everyone's gonna be like. Absolutely, Brian. What do you need? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he has in his mind the ability to like let this story linger more so than a new writer. Does yeah. that make sense? Like he's like, I at least got these people on the hook for two to three issues. Yeah. To let me kind of like let this thing breathe out a little bit. And 
I don't think you can do that in this day and age anymore. With new, like, with new readership kind of yeah. wavering, and like, mm-hmm. especially at, well, it's three ninety nine. I thought I was thinking it was like four bucks. But. Did yeah. you guys talk last week about? Sorry, I'm changing the subject a little bit. There you go. Um, speaking of new readership and keeping people on, um, the comicsology change was like mm. a week or two ago. Yeah. Where, oh, where like, you like can't look at comics on Comicsology app anymore? Yeah, it's all part of the Kindle app now. Mm-hmm. You have you basically like if you want to, I think your past purchases translate over. Do they not at Some all? Some of them don't. Yeah. Some of them don't. Okay. Um, but yeah, like you, you can't. There's some people who've opened the Comicsology app and it just doesn't work anymore. And there's yep. other people who still have access for like random reasons. It just does seem like something that, even though I'm a tech savvy person, grew up in the age of the internet, I was still like, do I even want to bother with buying a digital comic to read for? today to fill some time because i just like i have to download this other app and i'm confused about like signing in do i purchase something in the app and that's why you need to go to omnibus.app yeah it's It's, like it's the they're the new big boys on the scene and they are killing yeah so i think this is maybe a good opportunity to just say like if you were so ingrained with comicsology mm-hmm. and just didn't feel good about how some of the stuff that was happening with Amazon or you're just opposed to like how big Amazon has gotten sure and the you know employment issues that they've had and stuff like that and they just like they've abandoned the comicsology like I don't I don't know if they there's even away... like any tech support for this yeah, thing they, anymore I think I think um I had a hard time wrapping my head initially around what the big issue was but I think they took a lot of the love out of it to turn it more into the Kindle app. And then yeah. now we are where we are now and people are losing stuff they purchased that they thought they were going to have forever. Yeah. So go to omnibus.app for the iPad yep. on, and on desktop. Yep. I've been using it. Another it's, plug. It's rad. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so wait, hold on. What, what did you think of Masterpiece? You, I, you, you I were thought, okay with it? Letter yeah, grade. I, I thought it. Letter thought, grade. I want a letter grade. I, I mean, I think the concept is like an A. I, I'm super interested. Concept A all day of the week. Okay, I think we agree. It, like the, the actual first. <laughs> so far. <laughs> the actual first issue is like a C. Oh, we agree. Hey, like, okay. All right. Um, This this is one I, I will eyeball to pick up in trade, especially if it's like 15 bucks in trade for six issues. Yeah. Like, to be honest, it, it read like an AWA book. For sure. You know what? Like it had that. You know, like all AWA books kind of have the same kind of vibe. Like, yeah. While reading this, I was like, "Was this on Dark Horse?" No. Okay, I thought it was on AWA. It's crazy for sure. Anyway, um, next book, please. Uh, next book. This one was extremely good. It's a single creator book. Uh, ben Stenbeck and Dave Stewart did colors. It's called Our Bones Dust. I heard a lot of buzz about this book. It is very cool. A lot of stuff going on, but uh, it takes place in a post-apocalyptic Mad Max kind of world. Dig it. um, Where, you know, people are cannibals and you have to, like, raid camps for water. Uh, I think I have this game on my phone. Yeah. And there's... (laughs) There's a kid out in the world who's just out there, you know, vibing. He's out doing what he needs to do to survive. Yeah. 
Um, give me any post-apocalyptic book. Well, the, like for real. This is this is it. Um, so on top of all of that, we get a story about two aliens, oh. one, one of them orbiting the planet, the other on the planet. They what? are they are Kratos and Kronos. Yeah, Kang and Kodos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They're gathering information about Earth, um, but one of them gets, like, more involved than he should. Oh, he falls in love. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, something about the planet, whatever. So you've These got stupid this, meat puppets have <laughs> broken my will. You've got this alien thing, right? And then the, the big tease at the end of the book is... Uh, the alien that's on the planet finds the camp that we've been like, mm-hmm. you know, involved with for the whole first issue. Um, but they are all dead with their skin missing. And he's like, you know, the kid couldn't have done this. No, Never mind. No human could have done this this quickly. And then there's a panel where we see some kind of a robot wearing it looks like a centipede and it's wearing just like people's skin skin. holy shit so you've got like i think the idea is like the robots killed the people that is incredible you've got got these mad max like humans versus robots and Uh then this alien story on top of that holy shit okay and it's it's only four issues mike has it pulled up here so your your cost of entry is incredibly low. That sounds awesome. It's it, <laughs> holy it's shit. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Can I open it? Yeah, totally. All right, hold on. I that picked it up awesome. on a, I picked it up on a whim. And again, I'm kind of a sucker for books that are like one person's singular vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, somebody who can write and do art. Uh, and this is one of them. Uh, you know, obviously you have uh, Ben the goat, Dave Stewart. Stenbeck mm-hmm. is a Mignola guy, right? I think he had he did they, some BPRD they, stuff. He's done uh-huh. a handful of series with which Mignola. explains Dave Stewart. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit! This is beautiful. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. It's it's got the like the kind of image look where everything's kind of flat and chalky. This yeah. is very much almost like um step by bloody step where there's yeah. like very little words. It's mostly implied. The the vibe that I got from it was very much um the spread. Mm-hmm. The Justin Jordan Jeremy Hahn book. Holy cow, this oh, thing is so cool. Yeah. Kyle St- Strong. Kyle, one of them did covers, and the other one did the interior. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but yes, I can't, I can't remember who. It was. Our bones dust. Yeah. is a great title. Yes, that's why I picked it up. Yeah, but just based on the title. So this book slaps. <laughs> These aliens look so cool, don't they? Oh my god! Yeah, this is brutal. Yeah, Wild. wait till you get to that last page. Look at that guy. Uh, if this isn't a good endorsement for a book, us looking at it, you hearing it, we're going, yeah. whoa. Me reading the issue live on the episode. God damn. Yeah. This is cool. Okay. Hell yeah. I want to go buy this. Yep. So if uh, if they can stick the landing. Uh, with four issues, I hope they just fucking nail it. Yeah. So. Cool. All, all right. All good stuff. Also, I just see the banner for it. Uh, check out our Ed Brubaker interview where we talk about where the body was yep. that came out today? this week today today 
today, whenever. Uh, so go pick that up. Check out the interview. We talk about it. It, it he was certified awesome. banger. Yeah. Both in person and in book. Yes. <laughs> if you ever get a chance to interview Ed Brubaker, do it. 10 out of it 10. Is, it is very fun. Do recommend. Um, yeah. So thanks for joining us. Uh, until next week, we will uh, be seeing you. I don't know. Bye. Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Lichtig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.